0: What's up everyone and welcome back to the weekly Q&A. Our air conditioning is still out, but uh, we got a window unit that's in our bedroom down the hall and we have a bunch of fans going in in our house. So if you hear that in the background, that's what that is. If we start sweating, that's why, (laughs) because we did close off my office. The ring light is on, like it's probably going to start getting hot. Oh God,
1: now I'm
0: hot. Now it's really hot in here. Okay, but we're going to... Muscle through. It's going to get steamy in here. Yeah, we're going to get really, really steamy in the Q&A, but not in the fun way. And uh, we also need to send a shout out and a thank you to Brian Kinney, who joined our Patreon at the Jedi Master level this past week. So thank you so much, Brian.
1: To start, we're combining two questions into one because Robert Miller asks if we'll see Qui-Gon in the final episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And Seth Wyatt wants to know if we'll get an Ahsoka or Satine reference.
0: I figured this is a good time to just do our final Kenobi uh, predictions before the finale episode. So let's start with Qui-Gon Jin. Chances of him appearing or uh, even his voice or something, some sort of interaction between Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon.
1: High chance. I say very high chance because we got a call out. We saw Obi-Wan literally trying to reach out to Qui-Gon in previous episodes so I, I would feel a little sad if we didn't get an answer to that.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agreed. I'm going like 99% that's happening, uh, just because obviously there's a chance that it won't. Uh, but the way that it was brought up in the, the previously on, the whole prequel summary that they talked about and how uh, Qui-Gon has learned to retain his consciousness and you can communicate with him, and then we see Obi-Wan trying to communicate with him. He hasn't done that in a couple episodes. Uh, I don't think he's I been
1: think he's a little busy. He's I, had some stuff to do.
0: I think he did it and he reached out in episodes one, two, and three. And we haven't seen him do that in four and five, I don't think. But yeah, that seems like uh Chekhov's Force Ghost that if you if you mention a force ghost in Episode one, it's going to appear in the third act.
1: Maybe it'll be like Beetlejuice, and once <laughs> yeah. we get the third time, Qui-Gon will appear and he'll have a sick, like striped black and white suit on and
0: <laughs> <laughs> we can only hope you're like, Qui-Gon, why aren't you in your robes? He's like, check out my drip, <laughs> Obi-Wan. Like,
1: I, I have a new job now. And yeah. <laughs> it's doing whatever this is. <laughs> when you become
0: a force ghost, you you become Beetlejuice as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Qui-Gon to me is like a given I think it will represent uh, Ben Kenobi becoming Obi-Wan Kenobi again, finding balance in the Force. There's a reason he wasn't able to communicate with Qui-Gon at the start. Uh, It's because his head was stuck in the past, but he is facing his fears. He's growing over that. When we get to the end of the series, yeah, it might be the final scene or something, but I think we will see Liam Neeson returning as Qui-Gon Jinn, at least a voice like he was in the Clone Wars, but I think full-on Force Ghost.
1: Yeah, I I can't remember when I talked about this. It was on one of our live streams for Kenobi, but I think there's going to be a moment where kind of like referencing back to episode one when they're about to fight Maul and Qui-Gon takes a minute to like sit, close his eyes, gather his thoughts, um, and, and that's... I think Kenobi will get to a moment like that, and instead of pacing and you know doing what he did back then, he'll sit and have a moment, just like Qui uh, Gon. Uh, and then Qui Gon will be like, "All right, <laughs> you're ready now to see me in all my glory. <laughs> we can finally have this talk because yeah. you've you've reached the moment that I've been waiting for you to reach."
0: Yeah, I, I do think that that would be a really cool parallel to show. Uh, yeah, Obi-Wan's growth, because we, in Part 5, kind of covered how Darth Vader has not grown uh, since his time in training, and that that is a big thing in Star Wars. It's a big thing with Obi-Wan and the duel with Maul and the fact that Maul is the same person he was in The Phantom Menace, so showing how Obi-Wan has grown since The Phantom Menace and has grown kind of into his master, I think that would be very poetic, but let's jump into uh, other characters? Do we think we're going to get any references to Ahsoka or Satine or more of Quinlan Voss or anything like that?
1: Um, I'm going to say no, just because I feel like we don't have time for any of that. We've got one episode left to kind of wrap everything up. I kind of would prefer it if this episode were kind of just all Obi-Wan and Vader related Name drops at this point in the game seem kind of pointless, but I don't know. I mean, there's potential of Vader name dropping Ahsoka, or at least mentioning the fact that he once had a Padawan. Uh, I don't know. I I,
0: I I agree with you. I think it's too late.
1: Satine, I I don't think so. It's it's definitely too late to bring her up into any of this.
0: It in, would in be in the final episode. It's just like. I don't know. You can't do enough with it, I don't think. It's the same way that Cad Bane entered the story of Book of Boba Fett in the second-to-last episode, and that was a thrilling introduction, and I'm glad that we saw him in live action. But I wish he were a more present uh, antagonist through the rest of the series. And then if you just like drop a bunch of character cameos or name drops or whatever in the final episode, it just seems kind of yeah pointless, like you said.
1: But, I mean... With Cad Bane, like you said, the second-to-last episode is when he showed up, and then he was kind of there again in the finale, so if we were going to get any cameos, I think we would have seen them in the second-to-last episode of Obi-Wan, so that it wasn't such a big surprise, and especially with Satine, I feel like a lot of the casual viewers would be really confused at the idea of Obi-Wan once having somewhat of a girlfriend or a love life, like... I don't see a reason to bring that up right now.
0: I agree. And even Ahsoka, even though that is a familiar character for live action fans now, dropping that she was Anakin's Padawan, uh, that seems like a lot only because there's going to be so much else happening. And that's the thing. It's like there's so much left to do, I feel like, in this last episode. And I don't know how they're going to get it all done, much less have time to do name drops.
1: Well, this is so much about Like we talked about Obi-Wan and and Vader, but more so, like, it's also very much about Leia and Luke. And I don't think, like, I feel like if they brought up Ahsoka, that might take some of the uh, attention away from the fact that this is all about Leia and Luke right now.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, there's also Reva, whatever is going to be happening with her, and finding out about some children on Tatooine. Uh, or a child or whatever we have to deal with all that as well so like there's that there's obi-wan is going to fight vader again i assume i also want to see him try to reach out to anakin and have that moment of obi-wan once thought as you did so like there there are things that i am just hoping to see and i would rather see that than an ahsoka cameo for example
1: Lady Jane asks if we think Riva is redeemable. Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> that's that's the question that so many people ask. And it's like, if Darth Vader is redeemable, almost anyone in the galaxy is redeemable.
1: Yes. And that's kind of what Star Wars is about. Uh, a lot of Star Wars is all about redemption. Uh we talked about this a little bit in our live podcast at Celebration before we had seen any Obi-Wan episodes, and I was kind of like, I, I really dig dark side characters who are just like relentless, relentlessly dark side, so I was kind of looking forward to Reva being <clears throat> someone who would be irredeemable, but now that we've gotten her story, I absolutely think she will be redeemed.
0: Yeah, and I, think that's can, what, and can be. I think that's where we are headed. Um, my biggest worry about it is that it'll be a repeat of the second sister story from Fallen Order, where it's like she finds a level of redemption and then dies right away. It's like Star Wars has done that way too many times. Uh, if Reva is going to be redeemed, keep her alive and then let her atone, because that is something that is just not explored enough in Star Wars. The best version of it I can think of is in Victory's Price, the Alphabet Squadron book. A character has done terrible things, seeks to make them better, and we get to see like really how that would look in Star Wars. Um, But she was a pilot, not a Force user, and so I think that that would be a step further to have Reva come back and then actively work to make the galaxy better. Like Tala said, there are some things you can't forget, but you can fight to make them better, so... I, I think that's where Reva's story is headed.
1: Yeah, I mean, she's suffered enough, right? She We saw what happened to her at Order 66. She got stabbed in the gut again. And you bringing up Tala, like it, it was really sad to see Tala die. But now that she's gone, she could replace her. Reva could replace Tala, work with the Path, And just kind of do that for the rest of her life to atone.
0: I absolutely think you're right. I mean, we saw Reva reacting to that Jedi symbol in part three and kind of learning about this path. And she is just furious that, you know, that wasn't her. She has resentment for these people and these children who got out when she didn't. And so if she can get over that anger, then yeah, she can, instead of doing what she did in part five, almost... Mm-hmm. where she was like, well, I'm going to go attack all these children. I'm going to do what Darth Vader did to me. She can break out of that cycle and then, yeah, replace Tala and do what she did and fight to make the galaxy better and make sure that doesn't happen to any more kids. I think that is a great future for that character, a good arc. Um, yeah, I like that idea a lot. Right now, we're getting spring ready at the Home Depot by stocking up on top brands and rolling out store-wide savings. We're here to help make refreshing your bath easy so you can shop the latest trends and get everything you need to get your bath retiled and refreshed in style this season. Countdown to spring with savings on all your project needs at the Home Depot. How doers get more done.
1: In honor of Pride Month, Gunn Roswell wants to know which on-screen characters could be suited for LGBTQ plus representation, and Leftist Hominid asks what our favorite example of LGBTQ plus inclusivity in Star Wars has been so far.
0: Yeah, and these are two questions I felt like it was appropriate to combine because Leftist points out that the books and comics have had a decent amount of representation, and uh, Gunn Roswell points out that on screen has been sorely lacking when you compare the two mediums so uh, for on screen for a character that already exists I think there are plenty of options honestly there are a lot of characters that uh, their sexuality hasn't been explored
1: yeah and I I hope it, it that they get more comfortable with doing this obviously but it's so easy for Star Wars to just kind of like sweep that stuff under the rug and be like, oh, yeah, it's there. It's just not on screen.
0: It's very, I mean, I wouldn't even say it's a Star Wars thing. It is a, a movie Disney. Thing. It's a Disney thing. thing. It's a. <laughs> it's just an on-screen thing where uh, all movie studios kind of want to play it straight down the middle. Uh, and that's what they do. And they, they try not to rock the boat or anything as if that is... Rocking the boat, I guess it is for some people, but they should just do it. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, to give an example, because I love the sequel tr- trilogy so much, I think the first names that come to mind are Poe and Finn.
0: Yeah, I think that is the the go to. I mean, their bromance is so strong. I I loved their introduction together uh, when they're just becoming best friends immediately, and if they had continued down that path, then actually confirmed it, um, I it would not have bugged me at all. Like, <laughs> I, would, I would love to see their bromance become romance.
1: But that's the thing, like, just the fact that the term bromance gets brought up so much, like, it doesn't have to be bromance, it could just be romance. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and I feel like that's one of the reasons, if not the main reason, why Oscar Isaac has said, like, I don't want to do any more of Poe until we can address you know who he really is
0: and i mean they have gone into you know even in the rise of skywalker they they gave him those moments with zori bliss which uh, he can be bisexual anything whatever like that that's kind of the thing i was going to bring up lando because you know they said off screen that he's pansexual and to me in the star wars universe doesn't that make sense for like a lot of characters to be that way?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So uh, Lando is another character that's like confirmed, but not really. They like, play it not off, in a big way. They
1: try to play it off like swagger. Same thing that he's he's got all these like bromances throughout his life. But yeah, it would be really nice to get some confirmation about these characters having relationships that aren't straight.
0: And and that, to me, Lando, that just makes sense. Like, with all of the swagger and all of the charm. Uh, Yeah, like, I buy it. He could charm me, like, uh, (laughs) that cape, that mustache, come on. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, let's jump into the books and comics and talk about some of our favorite moments or characters uh, that have been given that representation um, I wanted to bring up uh, Taka from Last Shot because that was just like a growing moment for me. Uh, Daniel Jose Older wrote this character who is non-binary and uh, the, the pronouns of them and they and they're popping up confused me at first. And I, I was like, what is going on with this character? And I like I Googled it and I was like, oh, so Taka always jumps into my head as one of the reasons why representation is important because uh, I think the most important reason is for people to get to see themselves in Star Wars, but it also is a way to educate people who just are ignorant up until that point, and I was one of them.
1: Uh, one of the most recent books that I read was Midnight Horizon, and so this question made me think of Cantum Psy. I really loved their story, and they are a non-binary character, also their story ties into Lula and then Lula and Zim. Obviously a lot of people love their relationship and those characters and how they're portrayed in the books and the comics. So I think those are some really great examples. Basically all of the High Republic is gay and we love it.
0: And I was gonna point out <laughs> Midnight Horizon also by Daniel Jose Older. Yeah. And uh, Lula and Zine's story is largely told in the High Republic Adventures by Daniel Jose Older. But- I don't want to say all of the High Republic <laughs> authors have uh, done a lot for inclusivity.
1: Yes. Uh, another couple that just randomly popped in my head when I was thinking of High Republic are the the Santecas. Oh yeah. Like the the older <laughs> it it's, it reminds me of the movie Birdcage, like just like the older rich kind of like uh, fancy gay couple in Star Wars and they live I, on the boo. they live on the yeah. they're you know everything in their house is like uh cashmere and some sort of velvet uh i they, i just think that they are a really interesting addition to Star Wars as as part of this like really rich family that's well known for for what they've done in that time period and i just i would lo- like to know more about their life and their relationship,
0: <laughs> and I feel like we can't uh, talk about this without bringing up Doctor Afra, who is just a fantastic character. One of my favorite Star Wars comic series. Uh, it was one of those that surprised me how much I loved it when they announced it th- that they were doing a comic series surrounding her. I was like, really, her from the Darth Vader comic, and then like just the explore exploration of ancient star wars stuff through the eyes of this uh disaster of an archaeologist (laughs) uh is so much fun Mm -hmm. um but i think it's her first kiss with magna tolvan who is an antagonist of the comic for a while who comes around and joins the rebellion eventually but uh that panel i just remember like turning the page and seeing that and it's a beautiful piece of artwork Uh, i'll try to find it and throw it up on screen um but yeah, the the current run by uh Alyssa Wong. I almost wanted to call her Crash Wong. That's her uh, Twitter handle. Um <laughs> but that that run that's going on right now is so much fun. It's so crazy, and uh I can't recommend the Dr. Afro comics enough.
1: In honor of Pride Month, we want to give a special shout out to just some of the uh LGBTQ plus Star Wars content creators out in the community that we have worked with and know. Um, some of them are Pink Milk, That Gay Jedi, Marie Wilson, Star Wars Music Minute, Triad of the Force, Geeky Waffle Network, Sithy Minutes, The Galactic Podcast, Sisters with Sabres, Force Friends Rewatch,
0: Followers of the Force, Friends of the Force, Lousy Beautiful Town, Rogue Padron, Clashing Sabres, I Rebel, Kessel Run Weekly, J Guys and Jedi, Lipstick and Lightsabers, Blip Bloppity Bloop, Rupalps Podrace, Star Wars Editor, and there are many more, but uh, we put links to all of those creators' works down in the description. So please do go check them out.
1: Check them out, support them, uh, give them reviews on on iTunes and Spotify, wherever they create content. And yeah, just help support these content creators because they're great and we love them. On to YouTube questions, Josh Sedwick asks if Quinlan Vos could appear in Jedi Survivor to help train Cal more in Psychometry.
0: I I think that we had talked about Quinlan being in Survivor already before, but that was something that I think just slipped my mind. So it's a good point that both Cal and Quinlan Voss are gifted in psychometry. I don't know exactly how you say that power. I've always said psychometry, but
1: it's one of those words where you start reading it out <laughs> loud and you're like, well, that's wrong, but it's too late now.
0: <laughs> but, but I'm going in. I'm
1: going full in. <laughs>
0: Uh, but yeah, I really like that idea. And I think that would make for some fun gameplay mechanics of kind of investigating something together, because that's how Quinlan Voss uses his ability uh, in Fallen Order. It's mostly just an excuse to get collectibles and, you know, get extra narrative by finding objects, touching them and feeling their echo in the force. But to use it in a more active way, I think would be really cool. And uh, to go on a little quest with Quinlan yeah. Ooh, I like the way that sounds quest too with Quinlan. yeah a little Quinlan quest <laughs> and see him investigating something and him being like go check that thing out over there and like you work together to piece together a crime scene or not a crime scene but I don't know something that idea excites me feels new and interesting
1: I mean we kind of already saw it in uh Jedi Fallen Order where there were certain places where you could go in the game and have these like flashbacks uh, and and kind of use the force to see more of the story of that area. So I think from a gaming perspective, I think this is a great way to, yeah, like have Cal learn new abilities or kind of level up his ability that he's got already. Uh, and Quinlan would be a great character to be there to to teach him how to do that. And plus, you know, Jedi survivor. That's literally what he is, Quinlan, as a character. He's a Jedi survivor. So,
0: And we have that confirmation that he is alive at the time of uh, this next game's era.
1: Matt Thornton wants to know if Bo-Katan was unable to keep the Darksaber because she has yet to fully confront her demons.
0: I think that is a good point. I mean, she's chalking it up to a curse right now or maybe all of Mandalore is, but yeah, seeing how Din was wielding it and that it was heavy. Bo-Katan didn't really seem to have that problem uh, in Star Wars Rebels. You know, she ignites it like that, holds it up just fine. Um, but still, the idea that she wasn't able to hold it because she wasn't fully worthy of it, I like that. That, yeah, she, she wasn't a great person in the Clone Wars. She started to have that redemption arc. This is kind of like what we were talking about with Reva, bo not a force user, but still, she's done bad things. She is becoming better, but has she fully confronted what she's done, accepted responsibility for, I don't know, slaughtering a village in The Clone Wars Season 4? Yeah. Stuff like that, I-, I do think that she, we should maybe see some atonement for it.
1: Yeah, her story is very up and down, because when we first are introduced to her, she, we're kind of like, ooh, she's doing some questionable stuff, and then you know she gets a little bit better and now she's kind of like dipping back down getting into you know those old ways um so yeah i could see the fact that the dark sab- saber isn't necessarily heavy for her because she is completely uh dedicated to whatever it is at that moment whereas din it's kind of like i don't know i don't want this yeah uh but yeah i don't know i i think we'll see obviously we'll see a lot more of her in the third season and I would love to see her, yes, confront some of those demons, atone for some of the stuff that she's done. Just, I I just want to see her character come full circle and, you know, realize that she doesn't have to do things in such an extreme way.
0: I think it's important, the distinction you made, I really like that, that yeah, it wasn't heavy for her because, yeah, she believed in what she was doing and she believed it was hers, whereas Din is like, I don't want this responsibility.
1: Same for Paz Vizla.
0: Yeah, so Bo-Katan believes it is her right and I don't think there's any real curse. I don't think that there's any uh, real in-universe reason that she lost the Darksaber other than Mandalore was attacked, it fell, and it was probably taken from her. But thematically, I do like the more... Uh, metaphorical idea that she lost it because she wasn't worthy of it
1: Mm -hmm. I don't want to see her character end up like Saw Gerrera's character where we see we see him kind of throughout the series but he just gets more and more extreme and then he kind of goes out by saying there's nothing left of me basically and he he can't be saved Uh, so I don't want to see Bo-Katan end up like that Zero Zero asks, how we think the Obi-Wan show will make sense of the line, when I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master.
0: I think there are multiple interpretations of this. I'm also planning on doing a video of basically like revisiting a new hope now that we've seen Obi-Wan Kenobi and uh, does it all still line up perfectly? Probably not. But you know, how will we look at that. Anyway, for this line, I think that first we could look at it as in When I left you, when I left the Jedi Order, I was but the learner, an apprentice. I think that works fine. Mm -hmm. Like, I was already kind of having that rationale in my head before we saw part five. But then we saw part five and we got those flashbacks. And Obi-Wan says, until you get past your uh, blind desire to win and to prove yourself until you overcome that, a Padawan you will still be. And then we see that, and we cut to Vader's face as he lets Obi-Wan go because of his just like tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. So I think in that moment, he's probably thinking about how he hasn't overcome that yet.
1: Yeah, I, I like the idea of this going back to, all the way back to literally Anakin leaving uh, in the prequels and, you know, before he became Darth Vader and looking at it like that. But I also just think that this is a line of passion in A New Hope and Vader is so dramatic that he's, of course he's gonna say something like that. And it it's also sounds like a line from someone who's so overconfident that they're going to win this fight that they're just like, I'm the master now and you're going down. Like, I'm not, I'm not playing around this time. Basically, I wouldn't yes. read read too far into it.
0: Honestly, that's the answer I mean a who knows how long Vader was standing there with his lightsaber just like waiting for Obi-Wan <laughs> to come around the corner <laughs> Yeah, he was just sitting there like muttering like what am I gonna say? What? how do I how do I just really burn him the way he burned me? Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna hit him hard I'm gonna hit him good. And then he's he said that he's just smack talking mm-hmm. I don't think he was sitting there like does that exactly make sense about the last time that we met I don't know. It's like this is a character in the universe. They're not worried about canon. Mm-hmm. I mean, has have we all ever said something that wasn't 100% correct to our past? Never. You you're always right all the time. That's correct.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Michael Kadok wants to know if the First Order ever used Fortress Inquisitorius.
0: That's interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna assume no, but as uh. Michael points out, and as several other people have pointed out, you know, the tomb full of uh, encased Jedi, could that be used for some sort of experimentation? Could it build towards Snoke or anything like that? Sure, possibly. Yeah, it's possible.
1: Uh, I I almost thought that we would see this happen in this show. It might be too late for it, but I see... The fortress f- flooding and just sinking to the depths of that ocean and and dying off completely.
0: Yeah, I mean that that would be that sounds cool, like a place that you could explore in the future. Um, I- I'm not really making any direct connections from it to Snoke right now. Uh, I think they were just showing us something grim and dark and sad, and and maybe down the line, uh, it- it's fully an option for a Star Wars storyteller to be like, hey, you know, it would be neat. And then they make that connection. I don't think they're trying to plant seeds right now.
1: Mm -hmm. This isn't really related to the First Order, but it made me think of the scene from uh, Jedi Survivor, the trailer, where he finds that person in the tank, um, and like the surrounding area looks like somewhere that had been flooded. Uh, What if that is like, Part of that fortress after it had been, you know, attacked and destroyed.
0: Maybe I think it'd be hilarious if Cal broke in again. Again, but like, he <laughs> it wouldn't
1: have to break in because I think at that point it would have been destroyed and abandoned. Well,
0: that game is supposed to take place at the same time as Obi Wan Kenobi.
1: I'm still holding out that in the finale.
0: It's going to Broken
1: and and the broken in the gang is what I like to call them uh, as of just now I, I think that they might figure out how to destroy it
0: maybe for now I think it's still standing I agree I, I think there might not be enough time to do that It's also a cool location I don't really want to say goodbye to it yet uh, It
1: floods so easily though Yeah I know
0: it really does they really need to fix those windows One little crack <laughs> Who, who did this? What Who's That your... structural engineer is definitely getting force choked.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: That's all the time we have for questions today. If you want to leave a question for next week's video, just put it in the comments below or sign up for Patreon to join our weekly Q&A discussion. If you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the channel.
1: Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.
0: And as always, thanks for watching, and may the force be with you.